Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today, and I hope that you are looking forward to your week. If you are not, then maybe this show can help maybe change around some of that thinking, because I know what it's like to kind of have some trepidation or stress or anxiety when I'm going forward into a week and I don't always feel completely prepared or just have a lot of big things that are maybe happening in the week. So I'm praying for you and praying that your week is filled with God moments and that you see his face shining on you and feel his support as you go through your week. So we had last week a great guest. His name was Scott Stein and he had written a book um, just about time management and all these time management productivity hacks that he has implemented into a book. And, and he does a lot of seminars and speaking and teaching and business consulting really for top leaders all over the world. And he also is a father. And so he uses these real, these, these time management um, prioritizing skills that he has really with kids and leadership ability as in how, how to lead the people in your life that you're really helping, that are helping you. And so I really encourage you to check out his book and listen to the show as well. And we talked about just the power of a minute and the issue of time. And I, I want to make sure that you are able to hear that show in its entirety. And that's on the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Just on the homepage, go to the top of the homepage and just push the listen button and it'll take you to all the shows. So as we're moving forward, we talked a lot about time and time management, the power of a minute. We're going to talk about this idea of stop playing it safe. The more that we understand the value of time and that we are to live every minute and give it the value that it deserves, that God has given us a certain amount of time down here on earth. And that we are to own it, to not squander it, but to really live it. And so I want to start this show out with this verse. It's Matthew chapter 25, verse 26 through 30. And it's out of the Message Bible, and it says this. The master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand and give it to the one who risks the most and get rid of this play-it-safe person who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. Oh, I mean, wow. That's harsh. But when you think of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us, died a heinous death, that God came in the flesh to live amongst us, to work with us, to heal us, to help us, to show us the way, to value life, and he died so that we could live. No wonder 
he would be a little upset if we're just playing it safe down here, not taking advantage of the moments God gives us, just biding our time until we die, just checking off the days, no meaning, no purpose, no intent, no effort. Now hear me when I say this. It's not meant as condemnation. I've had times in my life where I've been exhausted and and I've just thought, I just have to get through this day. And I didn't want to put a whole bunch of effort. When I came to realize that just getting through the day, God was proud of me. Because he knows my energy level. He knows what I'm up against. So some days I have a lot of energy I can go out and take on the world. And other days, and maybe even a season. But this is what we want to think overall. That God is saying, I gave you this life. I want you to live it. I want you to spend it. I want you to own it, and I don't want you to play it safe. See, this is God saying, I want you to go all out, no holds bar. See, taking risks with God, you only have one life. I want you to live it well, not recklessly with abandon, but with intention, with courage, with passion. God is saying, be willing to make mistakes. I can handle your mistakes. I've made provision for every mistake you have made. And every mistake you will make, I have already made provision for it. I am the God of all. I have resources you know not of. I can create new resources if need be. You must take risks, make mistakes to be human. You must do this to be all I've created you to be. You must push, strain, stretch, and then rest from your striving. You have no idea how beautifully and wonderfully made you are. Please come discover you with me. That's what God says. He says, you have no idea how beautifully and wonderfully made you are. Discover you with me. The only way to do that is to push, to push yourself. And I don't mean push yourself in an unhealthy manner. I mean, take risks. Go, out, go all out. You only have one life. One life. The worst thing you could do is die without living. I want you to remember that. The worst thing a human can do is to die without living. This is why this is so important. Humans need to make mistakes as a way to learn. God knows that. He made us. He understands the learning process. See, see, now, no one likes to shock themselves. I don't like to shock myself unless it's good. So there's things, there's memories, certainly that need to be resolved. And those are the ones that have energy. So if I have memories of past mistakes, I need to resolve them so that they don't have energy. So they just simply are facts of my life. See, I don't want that sinking feeling to keep happening when I remember it, that rush of adrenaline. Or, you know, I close my eyes and I sigh. It's like, oh, I hated that day. I hate that moment. I can't believe I did that. See, these are the past issues that I need to look at through the eyes of a healthy parent, of a healthy advocate, a coach. need to look at them through the eyes of God. He knows I'm going to do stupid things. And, and, and what things really, truly are unforgivable? Everything is forgivable. Other than blaspheming the Holy Spirit, there's lots of writings on what that is. But I'm telling you the truth, it's pretty hard to do. I don't want you to fear that one. 
So I want you to understand that God has already forgiven everything. And we're going to do stupid, costly, gross things. We're going to do those things as we're becoming who God has intended us to be. This does not mean that as we look at all this behavior or, or these incidences objectively with forgiveness, it doesn't mean we're taking away from the importance of the offense or the mistake. We're not minimizing it. We're realizing the beauty of forgiveness and the beauty of the do-over in light of maybe how big the offense is. See, we're realizing that our behaviors don't always indicate who we are. Isn't that amazing? Everything I do isn't necessarily really who I am. What I do want to strive for is that the majority of what I say and what I do is actually a reflection of who I truly am. So what we're wanting is, is to have those behaviors that reinforce and express who we really are. This is who Jesus was. Everything he did was truly who he was. He was God in human form. So every behavior, every word, gesture, decision, etc., was an exact expression of who he authentically is, who he authentically was. This is the goal. Now, none of us have attained it. This is why the verse in Philippians 1.6 is so important. It says, it means that we must resolve. We have to let it die. We, no, we need to not let there be, quote unquote, live memories in our past. Especially and certainly the ones that are past mistakes, past failures. We don't want them to still have life. Philippians 1.6, right? He tells us that he's working out all those things in us, that he can accomplish things that we never could, that we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling. He says all these things to us. And so this also applies to our successes. Just as I can't continue to live in the past of my shame and embarrassment, I must not live in the past of my successes. This means whatever I'm taking with me into each new year, into each day, into my future, need to be lessons. We want to be wise people that learn, not fools that continue to repeat. Shame causes me to continue to repeat the past sins and, and make mistakes and even perform new things for me to forgive myself over. This is why God wants no part of toxic shame. It keeps people in bondage and it isolates them from getting help. And see, the only way to heal from shame is through exposure. It means I must confess my sins to someone so that I am loved, I'm prayed for, and I'm healed. See, toxic shame says I am a bad person versus shameful behavior says I did a bad thing. We have all done bad things. It doesn't make us bad people. So we have to reveal it to a trusted person to heal from it. When we're seen for who we are and someone loves us and forgives us and says, I know that behavior really isn't you, you messed up. Forgive yourself. You're forgiven. Don't do it again. This is how simple it really can be. It doesn't mean it's easy. So we're to remember and we're to learn. And we never use hindsight for self-abuse. And we remind ourselves of who we are. 
we know that God says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You see, he paid the price for our ability to learn and to grow without being in debt. Isn't that amazing? This is why Jesus died, so that we have that forgiveness, so we can continue to learn every time we make a mistake and we don't go in spiritual debt because of it. You're allowed to make mistakes. There's no other way to learn. And God is aware of this, and he's made provision for it. I'm always comforted by the fact that God has made provision for all my mistakes. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about stop playing it safe. Really be who God has called you and created you to be. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and we are talking today about stop playing it safe. And we read that verse in the very beginning of the show from Matthew chapter 25, verse 26 and 30. And it says in the message version, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best Why did you give me less than the least? And it goes on to say, get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Now, you know, I'm very similar to you. Maybe sometimes I'm a really good risk taker and sometimes I'm not. And so what we're really looking at today is that God is saying the biggest mistake you could ever make, the biggest waste of time is that you never ever truly lived and then you died the worst thing would be that someone dies and has never lived so we want to live living means making mistakes so I want to integrate good behavior into my being I want to integrate the things that I have learned so if I've made a mistake I want to learn from that mistake I want to use it as a reference point as to, hey, let's not do this. We already tried it. It doesn't work. Let's not be silly. Let's not be an idiot. Don't do it again. I wish I was really good at that. Sometimes I am. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I have to learn more. So if it's a repetitive issue, then the learning process is finding out what's causing the repetition or the bondage to that particular behavior or cycle. See, Satan wants me so caught up and how egregious the behavior is, that I'm so condemned and ashamed, I can't do any healthy problem solving. See, God knows, and we must know. Sin is not logical. It never is. That's why it's so embarrassing. There's no logic in sin. Pleasure is not necessarily logical. Survival is not necessarily logical. So what we want to learn is what leads up to it? What's the impetus? What, why is it that I'm willing to risk on this bad behavior knowing it's not going to get me what I need? What's going on with me? How do I learn more about me? What resources can I take advantage of? What is God showing me about me? What would be God's way? And what would be the way that God has for me? 
because what works for me may not work for you. So when we think about this, we have these beautiful verses that help us, guide us. And we have Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, which is really, Jeremiah is one of my favorite of the prophets. And he says, he says this, pray, call to me, I will answer you. I will tell you important secrets, great and hidden things you've never heard or known before. Now, many people translate this as things about God. And, and that is what this is about. This verse is also about God, very much so. That I pray to God and he'll answer me and he'll tell me important secrets that I've never known or heard about regarding him. But it also goes the other direction. See, he's saying to me, I'm going to tell you great things and, and things you've never heard or known about you before. I want you to know you just like you want to know me. Because the better you know yourself, the more you're going to act in the way that God has called you to act. The more you're going to be closer to the original design. And so we pray to God and he says he'll answer us. When I say, God, I am doing this behavior. I have this way of thinking. God, I have this attitude. It makes no sense to me. I don't know what to do about it. Tell me about it. Help me with it. Show me things I don't know. And I, I love this other, this other passage. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. This is out of the expanded Bible. And it says, But as, as it is written in the scriptures, no one eye has ever seen this. No one ear has ever heard it. No one human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You can also see another version of this in Isaiah 64, verse 4. This is precious. This is written to sinful people. This verse isn't just for the people that have overcome all the sin, because those are people in heaven. This is written to you and I. He says, no one human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. He didn't say, no human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who haven't sinned against him. He said, you can't imagine the things I have prepared for you because I love you. And then we have Ephesians chapter 3, verse, 30, uh, verse 20. And it says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. This is God saying to you, Listen, I can do more than you could imagine or guess or request. I can overcome your sin. I can show you a way that you never knew there was a way. I can show you how when you didn't even understand the why you were doing it. I can show you how to stop when you don't even know why you can't quit. He can do these things for us. And he's working in us gently. He doesn't push us around. He doesn't beat us up when many times, you know, probably we should be beaten up. But God knows that it's not effective. It doesn't work. So he loves us. His loving kindness brings us to repentance. And we have the famous Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. And it says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you not to abandon you, plans to give you the future 
you hope for. What an amazing verse. God says to you, hey, I know what I'm doing. I got it all planned out. I'm planning and have planned to take care of you. I'm not going to abandon you in the process, no matter how ugly it looks. And I'm going to give you a future, the one you've hoped for. When you call me, when you come and pray to me, I'm going to listen. When you come looking for me, you're going to find me. And yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. What an amazing statement. This is the God that is telling us to not play it safe, to take risks. He's saying, trust me, if the biggest risk you ever take is on me, risk on me. You won't be disappointed. This is what he says in the end of that, that, that little verse. He says, yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. He's also saying that about you. You're not going to be disappointed in who I created you to be. The more you let me help you, the more you are honest with me, reveal you to me, as if he doesn't know, right? You're not going to be disappointed in who you are. You're going to like who you are because, see, God likes you. It's an amazing thing when the person that loves you also likes you. That doesn't mean God likes everything we do, but he likes who he made. And he really loves and likes you. So join me in the next segment. We're going to talk more about no fear. We're going to do it. We're going to go all out. Join me in the next segment. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me. And if you're just tuning in, make sure that you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can listen to the show in its entirety. So remember, last week we talked a lot about time and we had that great guest, Scott Stein, talking about all about time management and leadership and and all these different ways he had to help us with technology and managing our time. And then we talked about the power of a minute and what one minute can do and the amount of minutes that we have been alive, um, whatever it is that your age is, and that every minute is important. And so that led to this week's show, which is Stop Playing It Safe, and that God wants us to live every minute to its fullest. He wants us to go all out. Now, living every minute to its fullest doesn't mean expending a ton of energy in every minute. Some of the minutes that I live, they're best utilized by relaxing, by just hanging out, by just thinking, by resting. And so it really is about not getting stuck in legalism or social norms or maybe how you were raised, that you shouldn't do this, you could do this. If only you do this, then this would happen. And really asking God to help you understand you so that you can be closest to what he originally designed, that you live out his creative work because you're the only one. You're it. Nobody else is you. You're the only one that can do you. 
And God has a specific reason for making you. Because only you can touch the world the way that you do. So you want to make sure that you're grasping that. And that leads us to no fear. And, and I love the acronym of FEAR. It's called, it's F-E-A-R, False Evidence Appearing Real. And many times I remind myself of that, of that acronym, and I say, you know, what am I afraid of? Oh, false evidence appearing real, whether that be what I think the world is going to think, family, friends are going to think, whether it means that I don't feel up to whatever I'm being asked to do, whether I'm afraid of what others will think of me, Whatever that false evidence, oh, I'm getting disapproval, so does that mean I shouldn't do what I'm doing? And really recognizing that it's no fear, that we want the fear to turn more into excitement, that my anxiety should be excitement. Now, I want us to have healthy fear. If it's actually dangerous, I want you to be afraid. You need to be afraid. That's how we survive. But I'm talking about not being afraid of living. And so... We're talking about having healthy fear, which means that I am wise, that when I am extending myself, if I'm taking risks, that I'm doing it wisely. So I want to practice healthy fear, that I'm understanding the risk I'm taking, and I'm doing it anyways. And so this is important, that we we do this without being fear-based people. This is the, the, the... Gentlemen, we talked about in the very beginning of this show, in, in Matthew 25, verses 26 through 30, when the master said, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you give me less than the least? This is what God is saying to you and I. It's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live that cautiously. I'm wanting the best from you. Why are you giving me less than the least? Why are you letting fear give me less than the least? So we engage in discovery. This is what explorers do. Explorers use fear in a healthy way. See, explorers would not have made the discovery they have if they let their fear get in the way. So I recently, I heard this story of Christopher Columbus. Now, he was a dreamer, a visionary, who could see past what is into what is more. And see, when popular opinion and staunch belief taught that the earth was flat, Christopher Columbus, an explorer of unknown territory, he refused to believe that fearful notion. I mean, imagine, really put yourself in his position. Imagine everybody thought the world was flat. It was, to them, a scientific truth. And here's this guy, he refused to believe that fearful notion that you would come to the edge of the earth and fall off. He knew there was more to be discovered than he could see with the human eye. Now, he was a Christian. He's driven by faith and determination. So what did he do? He did another scary thing. He approached the kingdom authorities in hopes of securing permission to set sail for all these unknown places, believing that he would discover more than what they had ever known was out there. He was willing to take a risk. He was willing to have people be derisive, to talk badly about him, to make fun of him, to shame him. So join me in the the last segment as we talk more about this courageous man and what he did to live a life of no fear. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. 
Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you're joining me, and I hope you're having a happy Sunday and that you are looking forward to a blessed week. And sometimes blessed weeks don't always mean positive positive experiences. Sometimes it can be a rough week. So I'm glad you're listening to the show because we are talking about not playing it safe and really being willing to go all out, to take advantage and own the time that God has given us to live and to spend it wisely. And so when we work on playing it safe, what are the things that we need to implement into our life in order to do that? And number one is we have no fear. Now, I'm not talking about not having healthy fear. We want to have healthy fear. Healthy fear helps me not run through the yellow light, right? Healthy fear tells me I better make sure I'm safe if I'm coming home late at night. Healthy fear has a lot to do with how I eat. And so this is what what we're wanting to say is that we don't want to have fear that's paralyzing, fear that steals from us, fear that tells us that God isn't who God says he is, and that we're not able to dream because we're too afraid. So we first start with no fear. The second one is that we engage in discovery. We want to be open. We want to be explorers of our own life, explorers of our own world. We want to then also have acceptance without apology. So I stop apologizing for my strengths. And I stop apologizing all the time for all my weaknesses. I simply just be responsible. And in that, the next one is we use responsibility and effort. We nurture ourselves. And then we die to the things that need to die. And then we redefine failure. Because the first time is rarely successful. So let's go back. Talked about no fear. Then we talked about engaging in discovery, which is what Christopher Columbus did. So he was driven by faith and determination. And he approached the authorities of his country, kings and queens and all the popes and whoever it was. And he asked permission to set sail. He wanted, he wanted their favor. So maybe you can't relate to Christopher Columbus. Maybe your dream isn't that big. Maybe not. However, your potential is. Your potential is just as big as Christopher Columbus's. You have to understand that in your life, nobody can do your life. So Christopher Columbus does his. I do mine. He can't do my life. He would be an abject failure at my life. That's why I don't do his life. So you need to own your own life. And ask God, why did you create me? So if you're not knowing what that is, why you're here, that would be the place to start. What am I here for, God? I mean, I see in my office every day when people go through this process of no fear and engaging in discovery, I see every day huge accomplishments from them, dreams that are reawakened, dreams that they didn't even know they were allowed to have. Dreams they had that they have otherwise just let go and let die. And they've been able to learn new skills to really make that dream happen. And to really discover meaning and purpose. So then we have acceptance without apology. And this is important. I'd stop apologizing 
for my successes, apologizing for my strengths. And I stop apologizing relentlessly for weaknesses. I simply work on them. Now, if I have actually transgressed someone, if I have harmed and hurt someone, then I absolutely will apologize. But I'm not going to constantly apologize for areas of weakness in my life that I'm working on. There are a lot of ways that God made me that people may not appreciate. So I'm not going to apologize for being me. I'm going to put effort into it. What I do is I take responsibility for my strengths and my weaknesses, my successes and my failures. When I take responsibility for them, then it gives me the ability to manage my strengths and weaknesses and my gifts and my talents and whatever dream, whatever vision, whatever exploit God has planned for me. So I take responsibility and I put effort into me. And then I nurture whatever needs to be nurtured in order for the dream, in order for my life to happen. That means I educate myself on me, my past, whatever it is that has happened to me. I educate myself on how to heal from things, how to best set myself up for success. I nurture the gifts and the talents that God has given me. And I practice good self-care. Think about Olympians. They take care of themselves. They take care of themselves so they can actually use that gift, that talent they were given to its nth degree. They are not playing it safe. They are going all out for that prize. But in the meantime, they are really taking care, nurturing, taking responsibility, putting effort into who they are so they can actually obtain the prize. And then in order to truly gain and attain the prize, we have to die. What has to die so that you can actually attain the prize? What's getting in the way? Jesus died in order for us to live. That was the greatest prize of all, that he won the world. That's the greatest prize, that he died so that we could live. So think about Lazarus, how long he lingered. How long did he resist death? How long did Lazarus fight for all the wrong things to live? See, it seems natural to resist death or to fight it. We don't know which one it was. But what needs to die that I am fighting to keep alive? What do I continue to keep alive that might be killing me? So what, what needs to die in me so that I can fully live, fully live out the calling God has on me? His purpose for me being on earth. What is getting in the way? What needs to die? So I do the pruning, directing, guiding, mentoring, coaching that I need to make sure that I grow strongly in the way that God has intended for me to grow, just like the Olympian. They want to make sure that the right things are developing, the right things are being strengthened. So this is what we do. We prune, we guide, we direct, we get mentoring, we coach, whatever it is that we need or that we give to another. 
And then what do we do? Well, what if it's not successful the first time? I mean, we are constantly reading about these people that are great inventors and how many failures they had before they actually got to the success. Right? The telephone, the airplane, antibiotics, all these things. How much effort did it take? How many times did they need to go through the process to succeed? So what were they able to do? Instead of giving up the first time, they redefined failure. They simply said, okay, the plan didn't work the first time. Now I know what doesn't work. So I now can move on to what does. And this is what I say to myself. Now I know what doesn't work, so I can move on to what does. I got that out of the way. I tried it. I don't take it as, oh, now I'm depressed, now I'm forlorn, now I'm going to give up. I guess I didn't really see the dream or the vision. I guess it really was just a stupid idea because it didn't work the first time. No, I say, okay, I'm, re I'm, I'm redefining what failure really is. Failure is just simply finding out the things that don't work. So when people truly learned how, how to unleash and unlock their potential, it's very difficult if they're wanting to be someone they are not. So maybe you know some of these people. Maybe you've seen them struggle with this. How many times have we seen people do a talent show and we say, wow, they should not be, they should not be dancing. They should not be singing, right? This is an important part of the process of finding out what your gifts and talents are because at different times in society, different talents and gifts have been revered. Right now in our society, anything that is performance-oriented is highly revered. Everybody has to be a rock star. Everybody has to be the best at something. This is, in, this is important when it comes to finding out your potential. What are you here for? Why did God make you? And so when we come to really be, when we understand being, that if you're trying to be someone you're not, because your, par that your parents wanted it, or you think the church is telling you to be that, or this is what society is telling you, what you'll find is failure after failure after failure. And even if you don't necessarily fail, you're not going to find fulfillment. There's a lot of things that people might be able to do. There are th other things I could do than this. But just because I can do it doesn't mean God has called me to do it. So you want to be who God has called you to be. If you're not, you'll be chronically disappointed. You'll feel like a failure. Or you'll be disillusioned. You'll be having all kinds of success without any fulfillment at all. So first we have to find out, accept, and acknowledge what potential we have. Well, what keeps occurring in your life? What keeps showing up? What brings you joy, contentment, harmony? Another big one is, what would you do for free? That's always very telling. What would you do for free? Because generally, our talents, our abilities, they always are finding it. They find us out. They show up. They reveal themselves to us. See, remember this saying, everywhere I go, there I am. It's an internal job. I have to work from the inside out. I have to understand 
that potential. I have to foster it. I have to protect it. I have to nurture it. So when we think about this, let, let's look at this, this passage, John 12, verses 24 through 25. It says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So when you are attempting, endeavoring, and finding out the call that God has on your life, and everybody is called, everyone is, you want to honor yours. You want to honor your creator by being who he has called you to be. And so there's a dying process like we have in John chapter 12, 24. It says, listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is never any more than the grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself. In the same way, anyone who holds on to life just as it is destroys that life. But if you let go, reckless in your love, you'll have it forever, real and eternal. So this dying peace, this willingness to say, God, I really want to be who you've called me to be. I have aspirations of my own, visions of my own, but God, I want the one you had when you made me, when you created me. And I want to live every moment to its fullest. And I want to be willing to take risks and not play it safe. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have a blessed week. Make sure you send this show to your friends. Thank you for showing up on social media and all your support. God bless you as you go forward in the call that he has on your life. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online. CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.